At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. One week ago, the U.S. Supreme Court upended the federal right to abortion. Yeah, I mean, it, it was jubilation. I mean, we've, we've been waiting 50 years for this decision. But in Georgia, people are still waiting to know what happens next. Phones have been ringing nonstop. And folks are traveling from across the South to Atlanta to get services before the laws change. The restrictive abortion bill passed by Georgia Republicans three years ago has been tied up in litigation. Now, Attorney General Chris Carr has asked the court to let it take effect. In a tweet, Governor Brian Kemp applauded the Supreme Court's decision. He says he wants to implement the roughly six-week ban as soon as possible. He called uh, today's landmark ruling a historic victory for life and that he looks forward to its impact on the legal proceeding. Some Republicans want Kemp to pass an even more restrictive law. Democrats like opponent Stacey Abrams say abortion rights are on the line when voters head to the polls this November. I am angry about this decision. I am appalled and I am absolutely committed to pushing back. What will the landmark Supreme Court ruling on abortion mean for Georgia? I'm Lisa Ram, host of Morning Edition on WABE and the podcast Political Breakfast. I'm Emma Hurt of Axios Atlanta. And I'm Sam Greenglass, WABE politics reporter Raul Bally and Susanna Capaluto are off this week. And this is Georgia Votes 2022, a weekly podcast from WABE in Atlanta all about the midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote it's a duty. because I want to make an and impact. I vote because I want leaders who care voting about Voting is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. So Emma, do we know how long it will take the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals to make a ruling on Georgia's abortion law? And I wonder, is it a foregone conclusion how this court will rule, given that the Supreme Court tossed abortion policy back to the states? Yeah, I mean, to start with that second question, given that Roe v. Wade was the precedent that the original federal George cited in in enjoining the abortion law, it does seem pretty likely that the court would uphold Georgia's law. And in terms of timing, uh, the federal appeals judge gave both sides three weeks to file supplemental briefs, basically making their case as to how the Roe v. Wade reversal should impact the appeal. So that puts us in mid-July, and we assume at this point that the court will rule sometime after that, but exactly when, we don't know. And Lisa, can you remind us what exactly Georgia's 2019 abortion law would do? Should the court let it take effect? Sure. Well, it's pretty clear cut. It's legal right now to have an abortion in Georgia up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. The 2019 law, Georgia's new law that is tied up in litigation right now, bans abortion after six weeks or when cardiac activity is detected in the womb. 
And this law does have exceptions, though, for the cases of rape and incest. If a police report is filed, we should note, and only within 20 weeks. And it also does have exceptions for health and life of the mother. It also has this this thing called the personhood um, clause, which basically gives an embryo the full rights of personhood under Georgia code, which people have a lot of theories about how that could affect real life, whether that's child support for someone who's pregnant, but also even things like, you know, can you deport a pregnant, undocumented immigrant if she's pregnant and she has a baby who is a full person under the Constitution? So that is a whole other section of this law that that um, people don't really know yet what kind of practical effects it could have. This federal court ruling won't necessarily be the end of potential legal challenges, right? I mean, we've heard about this idea that Georgia's state constitution may have more robust privacy protections than even the U.S. constitution. And, you know, some opponents of this law are hopeful that those privacy protections could prevent the abortion law from being allowed under Georgia's constitution. Yeah, absolutely. Some liberal-leaning legal scholars and and lawyers have argued that that Georgia's case law on the right to privacy is strong, and maybe an argument could be a challenge could be made against the law based on that. State Senator Jen Jordan, who is running for attorney general, as we know, has also uh, made that case. But again, um, it. We'll have to see. I think it is safe to say that any legal challenge that can be brought against this law will probably be brought against this law if it takes effect. And Lisa, there has been a lot of reaction, of course, to this ruling overturning the constitutional right to an abortion that has been settled for 50 years. Um, We're going to talk about the political reaction in just a couple of minutes. But first, is there anything that stood out to you about how Georgians, doctors, advocates, others are responding to this decision? And as you've been covering it on the air all this week. Yeah, there's a lot to stand out. And and like you said, putting politics aside, you have to remember more than anything, this is truly a humanity issue. You know, when the ruling came down, boy, it was a it was a stunning moment, you know, for those, you know, on both sides of the issue, even though that we had a hint that this was going to happen. You know, I heard all sorts of reaction. I'm hearing reaction even today from women, both young and old. Um, You know, the overall concern right now is where do we go from here? What can we do? How how can they mobilize and, and, and be that force in the state now that, you know, all of this falls in the hands of the state? And we're on the other side, we are seeing lots of celebration as well for people in the anti-abortion community who have been fighting for this very moment um, for a long time. The National Right to Life Conference was happening in Atlanta the morning of this reversal. And, you know, we saw reports from from reporters who were there of, of cheers in the room as well. So as as Lisa said, this is a this is a humanity issue, and it's something that is emotional and that catches people on both ends of it. So, Sam, the 2019 abortion measure could potentially result in criminal penalties uh, for people who seek or provide abortions outside of the six week window. Who decides whether to enforce those pr- provisions? Because that certainly is weighing on the minds of a lot of women right now. Well, first. One thing to note is that the criminal provisions of this law are a bit vague, and so it's a little bit hard to ferret out whether people who receive the procedure actually would be subject to criminal penalties. 
decisions would be up to local district attorneys, basically, to enforce any criminal charges under the law. District attorneys have pretty wide discretion in deciding which cases to prosecute and which to prioritize. Already, we've heard from a half dozen or so district attorneys in Georgia who say that they would not prosecute people who seek or provide abortions. But there are others who likely would prosecute under the fullest extent of the law. So we could end up with this really uneven enforcement across the state of Georgia. It's also possible, though, that the legislature creates a state agency specifically to prosecute abortion-related crimes. And also remember, the state is in charge of granting licenses or taking them away from doctors who, say, perform these procedures. And there's also gray area in terms of how this law is implemented by state agencies as well. Department of Public Health, DEF, uh, Department of Family and Children's Services, the Composite Medical Board that, that governs medical providers and licenses. All those questions remain unanswered. I've been trying to ask that question, but nobody has firm answers at this point. All right, we're going to take a break here. This is Georgia Votes 2022. Hey y'all, I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm-hmm. WABE. <laughs> Ever wondered where to find the best dumplings in town? Curious about Atlanta's obsession with lemon pepper? Join us on Savory Stories, a new podcast as we uncover the untold tales behind Atlanta's culinary scene. From the roots of your favorite dishes to the creators that bring them to life, we're diving deep into the heart of the city's food culture. Listen to Savory Stories at wabe.org slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. We're back with Georgia Votes 2022. We've heard from Governor Brian Kemp and Attorney General Chris Carr that they want to see Georgia's 2019 law implemented quickly. What we haven't really heard from Kemp is him pledging to pursue an even more stringent ban, as some Republicans are calling on him to do. I'm curious, what do you all make of that? It is notable, especially given that Governor Kemp in his 2018 campaign said that his personal position on abortion was... Uh, total ban except for um, in the case of health of the mother. And obviously this law is is different, doesn't go as far as that. Um, but we haven't seen any leaders in the legislature or the governor talk about wanting to push for a total ban at that point. At this point, it remains kind of a fringe position, I would say, among the Republican caucus. And, you know, it's an election year. We can't ignore that. This is a battleground state. We can't ignore that. And we know that polling shows that, that a majority of Georgians actually support a right to an abortion. So that's the political context in which we're seeing him make this delineation between what he says his personal position is and also what Attorney General Chris Carr says his personal position is um, and what they're actually uh, policy-wise pushing for. And expounding on the thought that it is a re-election year, you know, Governor Kemp is, uh, of course, riding the wave of a banner year, so to speak. You know, the teachers got a raise and gun rights expanded. And as a sitting governor, as both of you know, up for re-election, he's probably playing it a little safe and, and 
not to ruffle any feathers ahead of the November election. Um, abortion rights, as we know, as we're seeing and feeling right now, is very emotional, very emotional for women. And that's a key voting block, you know, as you know, a key voice at the polls. I wonder if you all think that Kemp will be pressed either from, say, Stacey Abrams in a debate or, you know, journalists on the campaign trail to say whether he would rule out a more stringent ban down the road, even if he's not considering one right now. He definitely will be pressed. He, I mean, by Stacey Abrams, for sure. Yes, indeed. And and reporters. I mean, I asked him in May about a total ban and he effectively dodged the question and pointed to you know, HB 481, the law, and and pointed out, remember, that law only passed by one vote. So speaking to the fact that he thinks it's not politically feasible to even pass something more, which might be how his answer um, would happen again. But, I mean, Democrats are not, as we're going to talk about later, Democrats are not going to let Republicans off the hook on this issue. So you've both nodded at this already. What does this ruling mean for the midterms uh, if Georgia's restrictive abortion measure takes effect? Democrats are thinking it might help them at the polls. How much do you think it will? Uh, And with who? With base voters, with independents who are on the fence? What I do know and what I am seeing just because, uh, you know, they've made the phone calls to me and, and all that good stuff. I, A large percentage of the African-American female voters, um, their various groups that they have, um, are mobilizing. And, and a large percentage of them are liberal. I'm not saying all, but a large portion. And they would likely lobby for pro-choice candidates and and would more than likely put a lot of pressure on those candidates uh, during the midterm elections. And I think we're going to see that, um, you know, starting to take root sooner rather than later. And we're going to see, as I said, Democratic candidates up and down the ballot really hang this around Republicans' necks and making sure that that voters remember this when it comes to November. But this is an issue that not everyone votes on solely. Some people vote on this issue, but a, a lot of voters uh, are considering the whole package, and that could involve gas prices, that could involve inflation. As we know, um, it, it could be much more complicated than just a majority of Georgians say they support um, abortion rights in a poll, therefore Democrats will win in November. Um, and, and that's obviously what Republicans are counting on. So, as you know, Election Day is still months away. Uh, I asked Representative Nakima Williams, chair of the Georgia Democratic Party, about that. This isn't an issue that will just go away because the news cycle goes away, because we're going to continue to feel the impacts of it day after day after day. Then again, this is what I heard yesterday from conservative political analyst Martha Zoller, who's interim director of the Georgia Life Alliance and a campaign veteran. This population of women with children are still going to care more about schools and about the economy than they are about what might happen with Roe v. Wade. So Emma, Lisa, do you think abortion rights will still be as resonant in November as they are today, or at least the the most pressing issue that voters on the fence make about whether to vote or who to vote for make their decision based on? I'm going to be watching how it stays in the news cycle. Obviously, it's in the news cycle right now, but... How does that change? What do the legal challenges look like? If the law goes into effect, do we see immediate um, reaction? Do we see the effects come in a dramatic way that they catch people's attention and keep their attention until November? That, to me, is, is a big question about the staying power of this issue. 
Yeah, my guess is it's going to stay in the news cycle. The Roe v. Wade decision is life-changing, um, not only for women, but for history as a whole. This is truly one for the history books. You have women worried that their young girls will now live in a world that feels reminiscent of a time when women were denied the right to vote. May sound far-fetched, but it's true. Um, this is not something that just happened last week and will fade away into the fall. You know, we've talked a little bit about how Republicans are responding to this moment and how Governor Kemp so far has resisted calling for a more stringent abortion ban, at least for now. Um, On the flip side of that, we have heard from Republican Senate nominee Herschel Walker, who has called for a law that would have no exceptions. Um, I asked him about that in May. No, there's no exception in my mind. Like I said, I believe in life and I do it. No exception. Lieutenant Governor nominee Burt Jones on the Republican side has also staked out a similar position during the primary debates, at least, but now has seemed to walk that back a bit. What's going on here? Yeah, so Herschel Walker is standing by this total ban without exception position. Um, Senator Warnock, on the other hand, is is taking the same, a similar tack as Stacey Abrams, saying that it's a decision to be made between a woman and her doctor. In terms of the lieutenant governor's race, Burt Jones, his, you know, what his campaign has told me is that in that debate, he misspoke. And now um, when asked directly that he uh, does support exceptions for rape, incest and health and life of the mother and that that is his current position at this moment. But again, like this is a campaign issue. And so everyone is being nailed down on their positions and is going to be held to it by uh, the other party. I mean, Democrats are not going to let Burt Jones forget about uh, saying that he would support a total ban back in May. I mean, Lisa, is this an example of candidates kind of trying to recalibrate between a primary race when you're trying to appeal to the most conservative or liberal members of your party versus a general election when you're trying to also compete for people in the middle and need to stake out a position that is palatable to the most possible number of voters. Welcome to the world of politics. Isn't that, you know, isn't that how it works, you know, and especially uh, when you have to deal with an issue like this so gingerly, you know, it just, you know, you you find people vacillating. And, And again, that's just, you know, what politicians do. You know, Looking at the campaign press releases this week, Democrats have talked a lot about abortion, but we've seen a little less on that topic from Kemp and other Republicans. I mean, so many of both Kemp and Walker's press releases and campaign events this week have been about crime and about policing. Again, you know, Governor Kemp is in a good position while on that road to reelection. And in the eyes of uh, his fellow Republicans, you know, he's had tremendous success during the last legislative session. And he wants that honeymoon to last and last and, and you know, stay on the minds of, of voters. And it's logical on his part to focus on some of the other issues of concern and crime, as you know, is a big one and policing. Now, before we go, I want to ask about one other topic. Um, On the same day as this Supreme Court abortion ruling, the U.S. Congress passed the most significant gun violence legislation in three decades, including funding for states to create their own red flag laws. Uh, I've asked Governor Kemp's office for a position on this legislation a few times. Is this another tricky issue, like abortion, for a general election candidate like Kemp, uh, who's trying to walk a fine line? 
You know, I think it's true that the federal movement, the bipartisan federal movement, does give governors like Kemp a bit of cover on this because they are able to point up to Washington and say, well, that's what they're doing. Um, and therefore, you know, the, the debate doesn't come directly to the states. Now, come the session, that will change. But it alleviates the pressure to call some sort of special session or anything like that from the left. Um we saw this in the 2018 election as well with Kemp, who ran a very conservative primary campaign. He, you know, says he is unapologetically conservative, has said that for a while. He's Georgia's first completely Republican governor who never switched parties from the Democrats. But um, he has managed to thread this needle where he stakes out very socially conservative positions on abortion and gun rights. And yet, you know, Georgia voters elected him in 2018, and he thinks that they would re- they'll reelect him this year as well, despite those conservative um, social positions because of all the other stuff, his team would argue, the economy jobs, et cetera. Well, you know, I think, you know, that's piggybacking on what Martha Zoller was trying to say, that there are other issues of concern, especially among women that are equally as important or more important to them, you know, this election cycle. So I think you're going to hear a lot of people voicing that as well. And I'll also just add that, you know, on top of these conservative uh, positions, Kemp will also be able to talk about how the legislature expanded Medicaid to mother's postpartum for up to a year. He'll be able to point to other things on his record, like like appointing a lot of diverse judges and officials in his tenure. So, you know, I think his team has, has said to me that uh, he can walk and chew gum at the same time, and that's what he's been doing for four years, and, and that's what his campaign remains about. Oh, dog. And... <laughs> We will leave it there for this week. I'm WABE politics reporter Sam Greenglass with Axios's Emma Hurt. Thanks as always. Thank you. And this week with WABE Morning Edition host Lisa Rayum. She also hosts Political Breakfast, which you can download wherever you get your podcasts. Great to have you with us, Lisa. It was a pleasure. And special thanks to WABE reporters Jess Mador and Emily Pearson for some of the sound you heard in this episode. This is Georgia Votes 2022 from WABE in Atlanta.